Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day. Hey everyone, just a little trigger warning before we get started on here, we do talk about sexual assault. So just be prepared if you're not in a mental space to listen, completely understand. Uh, And if you are a sexual assault survivor, this might be an episode you listen to before you go to therapy (laughs) because I definitely don't want anybody to be triggered. Uh, I know how difficult it can be sometimes. I I have to be in a good mental state to talk about these topics. Uh, A while ago, I wouldn't, years ago, I would not have been able to have these conversations. So I hope you enjoy this episode and have a wonderful day. Bye. Hey, everyone. Today, I'm here with Ebba. Ebba P. Carlson is a life coach, author, and champion ballroom dancer. Woo! (laughs) I can barely dance normally. Uh, She is also a model turned sexual assault victim who just co-founded a new organization dedicated to cleaning up the modeling industry amidst the hashtag me too era. She is the founder of true star, a life coaching practice, helping individuals perform at a high level, live more fulfilling life and overcome their past to embrace their future. Well, Eva, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Well, thank you so much for having me. So I'd love for you to kick us off uh, about your modeling journey. I don't think we've ever had a model on the podcast before or previous model on the podcast before. And I'd I'd love to have you share. All right. So um, first of all, I was not a famous model and that might be have been hyped up a little bit in the media lately. But um, um, the truth is I was uh, a girl who wanted to be a model and I was in my 20s. And I was scouted by a model agent in Sweden, in Stockholm, where I grew up. And uh, at that time, you know, it's 30 years ago. So nobody had a cell phone and we didn't have like the social media as we have today. So everything depended on, you know, you had your, um, your agency or if you didn't have an agency, you, you wanted to get one. And um, this was a guy who I met through some friends and he invited me to do a photo shoot in France. And so I spoke school French and I'm like, well, it's my vacation. I can go there. I had a, 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 a job at home and I had a boyfriend, but, you know, I thought I could go over my vacation. So what happened was that he um, didn't have a job for me. We actually met in Monaco. And it's funny because, late, you know, I ended up living there um, years later. So um, I got to see another side of it, luckily. But as I got there, there were no job for me um, because the agent or the, the guy who was the designer, had, he had already done it. So the scout said, well, we're going to go to Cannes and uh, that's a city on the Riviera. So we went there and uh, he started to like show interest in me, like, you know, like romantic interest, I guess. And I wasn't interested at all. And as we got to this house, his friend was not there. And he said, it's okay, we can stay at his um, pool house. 
uh, on the back of the house, but there was no pool house. There was a pool shack with a dirty mattress on the floor. And um, that's actually where he finally raped me. And uh, people say, why didn't you do any resistance or run away? But when you have been sexually abused, it's very hard to, to defend yourself because all your power kind of leaves you. And especially if you're a young girl. And I was, in my, I was actually 20, so I wasn't that young. But still, you know, I was kind of naive and um, believed that he would help me. So, uh, and I couldn't call my parents. I had actually to go to a phone booth and call them from this phone booth. And he was outside listening. And uh, later I discovered that he actually had a false passport. And that freaked me out. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, how is this uh, happening to me? So I went into kind of survival mode and just, okay, hey, you promised me a job. What are you going to do about it? So then we went to Paris and um, he tried to set me up for a few castings here and there. And we did a couple, but um, I was pretty athletic and I wasn't at that time, I wasn't so tall. And what they looked for back then was really tall and slim and everybody, you know, looked like a Barbie doll pretty much. And <laughs> it's not like today where there's more ver variety. Um, so uh, finally, he, he um, managed to get me a casting at Elite, which was the, the big model agency at the time. And I got there and was invited in to sit um, and talk to the owner. So I did that. And I think it was, you know, maybe one and a half hour interview or something like that, where I felt like brainwashed pretty much. He asked all me these questions, what I wanted to do in my life and earn money and everything. So uh, what was curious about it was that he, he uh, during the, it was during the daytime, but still he, pull the shades down so nobody could see in from his office. And I thought that was so curious. So like, why does he do that? And then he almost started to like have an interest in me and swell. Like, you know, if you want to be like these famous models and he showed all these beautiful women in portfolios um, and earned six figures, you have to give something back. And as he did that, he actually digitally raped me uh, with his fingers. So I, at that time I, I just froze and totally, yeah, it just collapsed. I don't, it, it's just like I pulled away and I couldn't believe what was happening. And later on, I was also invited to his private apartment for casting and it was horrible. And then I started realizing I got to, I got to get out as soon as possible. So I came up with this lie that um, I needed to go back home and see my boyfriend. And, uh, but I said, I will be back. I will do everything that you say. I just need to go back home and finish my driver's license and get things organized and I'll come back. So they gave me a ticket back home. So then after that, I just went into hiding pretty much. But the boyfriend I had at the time, he was so sweet and he actually, well, sweet. He was, he found the scout and actually punched him down. <laughs> so I felt like that was a, you know, I felt defended at the same time. I lived in, in fear. It wasn't until many years later where I saw that they did a raid in this agency and, um, and I realized it must have been a sex, some kind of sex trafficking business. And uh, yeah, so then it took many, many years before I could even, I swore not to tell a soul cause I was so ashamed mm -hmm. that I had, you know, 
in my vanity gone out there and thinking that I could be the next Cindy Crawford or somebody. So I was silent and didn't tell anybody until I had to tell my boyfriend eventually because I couldn't stand him touching me or anything. And then later on, I did a lot of therapy and uh, eventually I told, well, I told my parents and I told more and more people until, and then when I wrote my book, I came out with a full story. So that's, yeah. the, that's the short version of it. Wow. <laughs> what happened. Yeah. I, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I'm a sexual assault survivor as well. And I understand when you were, when you were like, people ask me why I didn't leave or why I didn't do, I was in the same situation. Not, I was in a similar situation uh, when I was raped uh, for the first time was uh, I, it happened multiple times with multiple different people. But um, the first time is like, you know, you just freeze up and you don't, you don't know what to do. You, you don't know how, how to, to manage this. You just, you know, I, I was in a similar situation. People ask why I didn't get up and run out the door. And I'm just like, I, I don't know because I just froze. Like I didn't know what to do. Yeah. That, that's the thing. And that's why people say that it takes usually until people reach their fifties when they have children themselves that are, uh, same age that people actually come out with a full story and feel ready to heal. So I think that's been a problem when it comes to the statute of limitations, how, how many years you have to actually, um, you know, make your voice heard and, and um, how do you say, like ask for justice or whatever. So I'll have uh, any sort of, um, um, call for justice. Right. It makes me think of uh, what happened with the trial with the Supreme Court Justice Brett, Brett Kavanaugh is, um, you know, he, the woman he assaulted came out like years later and she was just like, I just can't imagine my rapist being on the highest court in the United States. And people are like, why did she wait so long? Why all these things? And I'm like, because nobody believes us. Like, mm we come out and say something and nobody believes us. And like you said, the statute of limitations is over. Like there's, you can't get any justice for what happened to you. Yeah, exactly. So that's a really good thing that's happening now though in France and Paris, because they uh, extended it to 30 years, which oh, is awesome. I'm just on, a, on the cusp. And um, we're looking into if, if I can, uh, if I'll be between or within that time hopefully, but we're, we really want to reach out to people because there's still so many that we know uh, have not come forth and because of the live of fear, they have been threatened. As myself, I was threatened, my life was threatened as well. If I would speak, that they would come after me and uh, I mean, even that they could have me killed. So that's something you don't want to be <laughs> experiencing for sure. So, um, but right now we're, we're really moving ahead with this um, organization that we started. So it's, it's looking good. Is this very prevalent in the modeling industry? Have you found that it happens quite a bit? Well, for sure it has in many different levels. Like um, we have uh, scouts, uh, owners, and we know, you know, like Jeff Epstein is the big one. Yep. Not that he had his own agency, but he worked definitely with people in the industry like Jean-Luc Brunel, who actually has been arrested now. 
um, and we're very happy over that. So since then, people have come forth with horrific stories, and um, we just need to continue to uh, have a voice so more and more people have the guts or the courage to come forth to share their stories because, yes, you're right. It's, uh, it's much bigger. And also it's, it's not only women, it's men too. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, there's, there's a lot to do because nobody has really cleaned up the, the fashion industry. And, um, and we're seeing now more and more that even the, the girls that actually were famous and, and, um, had a career, they were also abused in some way or another. Yeah. I think uh, you said something very important uh, that men too. I, f- I feel like uh, men are often overlooked and, and less believed than women because there are a lot of people out there who think that men can't be raped, that they can't be sexually assault- assaulted, which is completely false. Um, and it's actually sad because men are far less likely to come forward than women, you know, out of shame, embarrassment, or the fear like women do that they won't be believed. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it's so true. And it's so sad that, um, but usually it's because they're also vulnerable and in a, in a situation where they depend on this person and they want to believe that they have a chance and then they are maybe not totally aware of what they're putting themselves into, which then, you know, makes them vulnerable and they can be um, taken power over in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so what made you decide to come forward with your story? What was the, the point where just like, I, I need to share this with other people? Well, I think it was when I started writing my story as it is the book. Um, uh, this, it's like a spiritual memoir where I awaken and part of the healing and part of understanding that nobody is really a victim and uh, when I say that, I know I push people's buttons, but it's really true. And that's how I became free. When I realized I have, that's a, such an important part of my journey, my spiritual awakening, I have to share it because my goal was to um, remind people of their own power. And if we live as a victim all the time, we won't heal and we won't become victorious and learn from the lesson. So to me, it was super important to, share what I learned from that experience and um, as part of that whole um, inspirational memoir. Um, Yeah. And then on top of that, also when Jeff Epstein happened, a lot of journalists started contacting me and asking me. So then that also made it, you know, uh, I had more courage to come out when I wasn't alone. Right. And I I joined partnership with Carrie Otis Sutton, who she was actually a very famous model. And um, so when I did that, it was easier for sure to dare to have, to speak my, my truth. Right. I feel the same way um, about any topic, whether it's uh, domestic violence, sexual assault, mental health, uh, you know, those are topics that uh, come with a lot of shame a lot and people don't want to talk about them, but uh, I feel the more that you connect with people who have a similar story or have been through something very similar, it gives you more courage to come forward and speak about it. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, that was part of the healing as well. Like when I started sharing, um, it was healing. When I started writing about it, 
um, putting words to it. It was also when I, when I could go even deeper and look at the perpetrators faces and say, well, it's okay. I forgive you because I know somewhere I decided my soul did decide to have this experience so that I could grow. And I, I found that so relieving and, um, it gave me this greater sense of peace that um, I can actually become free now because I forgive somebody. Uh, I won't forget it. Definitely not. But I know that that person who did this to me has more problems than I do. Mm -hmm. And he has to live with his guilt, um, his karma that he actually did this to other people. And that, and I think that's a, a conviction enough in one way because I know this is going to haunt him for the rest of his life. Yeah. And I, I like that you uh, put that distinction as you can forgive somebody, but not forget it. Right. Because uh, forgiveness is more about us and about releasing that instead of holding on to it. And I, I think a lot of people uh, don't want to forgive because they, they feel like they don't want to forget and they want to bring vengeance uh, forgiving doesn't mean like, you're like, please come back into my life (laughs) and repeat this. It is just like, I just want to let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the whole society is kind of built on um, looking for answers outside of ourselves. So so it's easy to become a victim and it's hard. It takes guts and courage to be a leader and step up to taking full ownership of all our actions and our thoughts and our emotions. It takes a lot of energy to do that, but the rewards are so huge. Like when we do that, that it's hard to understand that when we are in that um, pit hole of misery, you know, like we, that's all we identify with. So I can understand why it's so hard to move on. Definitely. Right. And I love that you distinguished about being a victim. So I feel like in my head, the, the difference between victim and survivor is victim, you're in it, right? You're, you're in it, you're experiencing it. Survivor is when you've come through it. And when you, you're, uh, you've done the, gro- the growth to be like, I'm not, this is not part of me. This is, I didn't do anything wrong, you know, and you've done that work. Um, I think that's an important distinction. Yes, and absolutely. And also like knowing that you're innocent, that's one thing, but also even taking it further to where I, I chose to go there. I chose to go with this person. I chose to put myself in that situation. So I cannot blame anybody. I have to take full ownership and see that, okay, so I did it. Why did I do it? Well, because I thought I could da, da, da. And then okay, so what do I do then? What do I do next? Well, it's seeing it and taking ownership of it and say, well, I don't have to do it again. Now I learned this lesson. And then taking that home to, I mean, most of the time when we do, when something happens in our life, it's just a repetition from our childhood. So most of the time something happened where we lost our sense of, um, serenity where we thought we had control over our lives so maybe as a child we gave that away to parents or to teachers or to whomever in society that we looked up to so it's really about coming back home to yourself and knowing that I am this powerful being 
And I, my, I have this experience, I have this life where I go through understanding contrast of, you know, good and bad and light and dark. And it's the path of my soul as I go along in life. And I think if we don't come home to ourselves and see that, we're, we're going to get stuck and then we're going to go repeat the same things over and over. Even if it's, it might not look the same, but it will be a different emotion that's being created. Right. And you mentioned earlier about going to therapy. How did therapy help you be able to come to this place that you're in now? Well, first of all, it was really, I felt so guilty. I took it out upon myself that I had caused this, that it was my fault. So when I realized, first of all, that it wasn't my fault, really, that nobody has the right to abuse somebody else like or go beyond their their free will um that was the first step healing the guilt and then i had underneath there was this huge rage uh, a fury a hate that um that somebody had done this to me and the anger also uh, that i carried within myself i was angry at myself that i had allowed this to happen to me so releasing the anger, really facing the, the fear of the anger and allowing myself to go through these emotions led me to, you know, eventually feeling sad and sorrow and then through that healing. So it was a lot of like body psychotherapy because I had stored a lot of emotions in my body. It was also a lot of meditation that I needed to do to just sit and allow the experience to come back because I had it and I had closed off I had closed my heart I was terrified of men I I I was scared of strangers I had to go you know (laughs) like miles to try to avoid meeting a stranger so it had a huge impact on me and also you know trusting men overall that Mm -hmm. they would be good yeah so that's how it started and then of course through the time I've done many kinds of different therapies and and then eventually your coaching and then and so forth and now i became a coach myself not that i really wanted to be that but i realized i had <laughs> some some things to share in that area so oh i completely understand um i have been in therapy for quite a while and uh recently i started with a therapist uh, last year no the year before i started with a therapist i'm like how many years i started with a therapist who does emdr which actually helps you work through trauma and it brought up things that I had forgotten, right? I had repressed away because I didn't want to think about that trauma. I didn't want to think about the assault. Um, it took therapists to make me realize, oh, I, I was raped as a teenager because I, I have that guilt. And I'm like, but I didn't get up and run away. I didn't do these things. And, and, and it took therapy to be like, actually, this actually happened to you. (laughs) This is not in your head. So I mean, therapy has helped me so much with, with that sort of thing is the realization, but working through it and healing. Yes. Yes. And it's so important and, and it doesn't make us less on the contrary, it really creates more clarity and we can peel away the things that we're not. We can realize actually, Oh, this is not me either. So who am I then? And then continue peeling and coming to the core of who we truly are. And that's why it's so beautiful. It's such a a great tool to use in in life. And everybody, I think everybody 
should do it um and you know at some point in their life to have somebody else you know mirror back to you what you who you are yeah i agree i say that all the time i'm like i think everybody needs therapy at some point in time <laughs> for sure yes so i'd love to pivot and talk about your organization how did that come about what what inspired you to well, create that yeah so it was really um the the case in paris um there's a lawyer who her name is um I totally lost it now, but um, I'm a uh, and she has been on this case for many years trying to collect um, evidence against this man called uh, Gerald Marie, who is the former owner of Elite Agency in Paris. So we decided, me and Carrie, who both of us are, have written books, her book is called Beauty Disrupted and um, Jill Dodd, who's also another survivor, with a, a journalist called Lisa Brinkworth. We together with her um, filed this, I mean, crime case, I guess, or lawsuit, um, and uh, they launched a criminal investigation in Paris in September. And when this happened, we realized that we have no forum for, if if survivors now show up and hear this and they need somebody to connect to and talk to and have their voice heard. So that's how we started it. It was really uh, abrupt and we just wanted to not call ourselves survivors, but victorious because we are victorious. We have survived and gone beyond survival. We are now victorious people in our lives. So, and angels was kind of a, a play on, you know, Victoria's Secrets, angels, and, <laughs> and I think everybody is an angel. We all have angel qualities. And the more that we step into that quality, we become more angel-like for sure. So it was a kind of play of words. So we launched that and um, the whole idea is to um, spearhead the, the next movement of Me Too. We work with Model Alliance, there's another organization um, that help uh, vic um, survivors or victims in the model industry as well. Okay, so, so what what does your organization do what, for these survivors? Yeah, so now it's just uh, being a, a voice for them, a, a collective uh, for them to come to and share their stories. So that's the main focal point right now, but we don't know yet where it's growing and it's just in the starting point. So we're just uh, writing blogs so survivors can share their stories. That's something that we're gonna do. And um, so we'll see what, what, what it's going to develop into. But right now it's just like um, having a voice out there for the, for the victims or the survivors. It's a baby organization. Yes, it's a baby <laughs> right now. But growing so definitely and in in sharing people's stories are so powerful that's part of the reason i have this podcast is i feel like even if you haven't been through that specific thing you can be inspired by other people's stories yeah and also if people need help like sometimes to um for me when i came out with my story it was such a relief to have Carrie, who was also in the same situation, she related, she understood. And I think that's what we are right now. We're kind of um, a, a warm embrace for people 
to come to and feel at home and safe and heard. And the next thing is like, if they need to go into therapy, if they need to do other things, we can guide them where they need to go. So that's been happening as well. And do you also guide them if they want to take uh legal action against the people yes absolutely that's uh, another part that we're looking into but it's kind of threatening thin ice because we need to have the, the the right people and it's also very different where they're living different laws apply to where they live and what country and what state so it's it's a lot um more to consider um when it comes to that but definitely we we will do what we can to to pass them forward to where they need to go. I don't know what it's like overseas, but I know here in the United States is each individual state has its own different laws. So I, where I was assaulted, well, I was assaulted twice, once in Florida and once in New York. I now live in Connecticut. So Connecticut's laws are completely different than Florida and New York, right? Yes, like, yes. So, right. you know, you have to be mindful of like what, is the law in the state you were in so is it the same internationally like that different oh yes providences and definitely and uh this is uh you know difficult because a lot of the models came from the u.s or they came like me i came from sweden and then um what applies in sweden is not the same as in france and it's so it's so it's a it's a lot and um um we're actually looking into that how models in the States can be helped um, when they travel to another country and what happens there and how they can, um, if they uh, are within the statute of limitations, then that's good. But so. I wonder if this is something that in the future, the United Nations could set like a precedence for, you know, like, uh, because it is so strange how like country to country, different parts of the country um, are different. And, and it's kind of confusing. Like you said, models work all over the world. Yeah. And, and so now they're having to like look into what the laws are in that specific region they work, we're working in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I have not looked into United Nations, but that's a great idea actually to, to work with them and uh well i, I assume they work with so, uh, sex sex trafficking um but i don't know what they've been doing lately so that's something definitely to look into and um it's a good idea yeah i think that. <laughs> they have some uh, i know they have some like human rights rules right yeah, they do um and they kind of i shouldn't say bully but they kind of persuade uh, the countries that belong to the United United Nations to be able to, uh, you know, enforce these guidelines. Um, and sometimes they can put sanctions on or countries who don't follow the guidelines. Yes, so yeah. that would be something that's, that's really important. So maybe it is a human rights. It, it is a human, it's, it's, it's a type of human right, right. To, to our body and to, to protecting our body. So that's why I thought United Nations. Yeah. And I, I should definitely look into that because, um, but that is so important and you're right. That could be something that we really could, um, uh, uh something that we could do with Victoria's angels, or at least 
the organizations that are working on changing laws in the U.S., they could possibly also reach out to them. Right. Yeah. Because these kind of things like the United Nations or even like federally in the United States or anywhere, right? Right. So like the country of France, they set minimum guidelines for certain things. And then Mm -hmm. each individual place inside that country can set like steeper guidelines. Mm -hmm. We're seeing that right now. I know it's not the same thing, but we're seeing that right now with COVID in the United States where the federal government has set like this minimum but some states go far beyond that. And so it's, it's something like that where we need to try to, to, to find a way to set a minimum guideline of like this many years people have. And this is the kind of punishment because I, I, well, I was molested as a child um, by my uncle and he got out of jail after four years yeah. Like in, in jail, which is, is mind blowing because there was 15 children who he molested and who came and um, actually uh, testified against him. So oh. I feel like, you know, there needs to be a minimum. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, it, there needs to be rules that are set that are the people, so people can feel safe and have justice for sure. And um uh, I think a lot of different groups and organizations are working for that. So it's worth looking into. Maybe somebody already has um, tried to pull for that in the United Nations as well. Um, there, there must be. I, I would be surprised if they haven't. I don't know about the fashion industry, but for sure when it comes to sexual assault and abuse. Then, right. And trafficking for sure. So, yeah. See- that. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like the most, uh, the, the, the biggest problem with the fashion industry is it's, it's global. Mm. Like, so how do you get justice when this may have happened in multiple different countries? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And people are, you know, being trafficked to one country to another and some disappear and there are people, we don't know where they are, some of them. And they're so it's so sketchy it's um and there are no agreements so first of all people have to make sure that they sign some kind of agreement so it's legal and um yeah so there's a lot to work on with this for sure and uh, that's why we have the model alliance and i think they're working with different kind of organizations internationally as well so, so many different we, layers. Mm-hmm. I feel like as women, we've come so far, but we still have so far to go. Yes. I mean, yes, it's, it's true. We, we, but it's true. We have to look at, I mean, it's a hundred years ago, we got vote rights it, in Sweden. I think it was 1921 or something. I think Sweden was the first country in the world. So we're, it's a hundred years actually this year, which is not a lot when you look at time. Right. <laughs> so so we've, we've gone far, I think, in 100, maybe in 100 years, it will look completely different, most, most likely, I think. <laughs> and of course, we can't forget the men that have been sexually assaulted, too. I, we need to come. I, we have so much to undo when it comes to toxic masculinity, when it comes to, you know, male privilege. It, 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 we create this, this thought that men have to be strong and they have to, you know... Uh, be there for people and they can't show weakness when men need help too. 
absolutely. And I think, I think that's what we're going to see in the future is how we're going to be more united within, like, um, we're going to see more women in, in power. And the, the key is to remain a woman and not to become a man, because it's not really about being female or masculine. It's about the qualities of femininity and the qualities of masculinity that we need to have more balance within ourselves. And we have, when we have more balance there, we can create more balance outside of ourselves in the system. So to what I see is to really change the system. We need to change ourselves. We have yeah. to unite both of the, the polarities within them, within ourselves first. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and, you know, healing ourselves, that means, not judging people, not judging them for their actions, but to see that they did something because they are wounded themselves. So healing is going to be a big part for the future. Definitely. We have a lot of healing to do. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I, it's difficult sometimes, right? When somebody's hurt you to take yourself outside of that situation and be like, I actually feel really sorry for you that you have been through whatever you've been through that created who you are. Like it's, it's so sad when people cling to that hurt and cling to the things they've been and and develop into this terrible human being um, and don't ever get the help they need. Yeah. Yeah. That's true because it's uh, often it's people in power and they protect each other. So they get away with the atrocities and the assaults because, well, we could see that with Jeff Epstein mm-hmm. and all the people surrounding him. And uh, we could see it in many areas of life. So first of all, it's really like taking back our own power and knowing that we can say no, learning how to say no, and that that's okay. Mm-hmm. And to teach our children to... Um, have that power and um, taking back our power, which is hard in, in these days when we're so controlled in a way by society and um, conditioned by society in many ways. Yeah. I tell my so, kids, no is a complete sentence. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Right. And then we have to figure out how to steer them or gear them to where we want them to, to go with our wisdom and not with force, (laughs) empowering them. Yeah. I have a teenager and, and try, I'm like, do as I am telling you, don't make the same mistakes I made. (laughs) Yes, I know. Yeah. And I I have a teenager too. I have a, she's 19 and she wants to be a model also. And I I just, uh, she wants to be a model that makes a difference and to inspire people. And I think, wow, that's a beautiful thing. But I also hope that that she has what I didn't have, the, the, the knowing and the trust to see through, like your gut feeling that that's so uh, emphasized so that you know, I know I shouldn't go here. I should not go there because that's going to lead to this. And that we're not, you know, um, having like a, a veil or, or that we're seeing clearly where we need to go. And I think that's going to be so important for kids in the future because we're every, everybody's so programmed to be on a track that they don't even know who they are they don't even right. know where they want to go because 
they're just trying to fill somebody else's um, wishes or what, what, what you're supposed to be doing. So as a parent, that's going to be crucial to remind them that you know in yourself what's right or wrong. And right. To, to turn up the volume of that inner voice that says don't go to France (laughs) stay here (laughs) don't go anywhere please yeah Yeah, and if you do like be prepared like you know but it's different now that people have their cell phones and it's so different yeah yeah so as we wrap up the podcast today what is something that you would like to leave the inspired women audience with well I think Fear. Let's talk about fear because if we're really in a fear-based society right now, and I think Mm -hmm. if we just keep staying in fear, we project fear and we create fear. So we have to like start trusting ourselves, start trusting that we have what it takes to overcome any any hurts, any bad emotions, anything that is an obstacle in in our own way. And as we do that, heal and start trusting ourselves and and start to trust that good part within everybody. So that's the thing that we focus on. We don't focus on the things that will take us down or the things that's going to make us sick or the things that are, you know, are going to lead us astray. It's really taking back our own power. That's what I feel is really important right now. And and doing what you need to do if it's therapy or if it's meditation or just really getting to know yourself. We have this great time to do it. Right. Uh, so it's actually not a better time ever. I mean, to, to find out who you are and who you are as a powerful being and what right. you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Right now is a, I feel like uh, when it comes to COVID, everything has like slowed down. Mm-hmm. And at first I was just like out of my mind about it. And I'm just like, I just want to do all the things. <laughs> but now I've come to take advantage of it to really like, you know, what, what do I want? Wh- how do I want to feel? Uh, like my therapist says, when I get all worked up, she's like, what can you control? And so, you know, I've been doing meditation every morning and, and yoga and of course therapy. That's, you know, I have a therapy call like at two o'clock this afternoon. Yeah. Um, but all those things, I feel like we need to take advantage of this time right now where everything is kind of slowed down to really get in touch with who, who do we want to be? What do we want out of life? Uh, how do we want to feel? That's exactly it. And a feeling is everything because that's a vibration and that's how we create. So if we're, if we're not aware of our own emotions and that they run the show, then we will create by default and we create situations that are, you know, mirroring back what we're, what we're feeling. So if it's fear, it's going to be something fearful, right? right. So getting back into that life is actually pretty good and <laughs> we can change things. And as we change ourselves, we can change the reality outside of ourselves. So, yeah. Well, Eva, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was, it was nice to talk to you. Thank you for being a part of the inspired women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at inspired women podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.